Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Heartway. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you guys to yell and say it again. We're supposed to chill out now. This is center in prayer time. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I actually had something very interesting happen to me this morning. I woke up, and this hadn't happened to me in a while. I woke up at about, I want to say, 7 o'clock in the morning to a very visceral anxiety attack. There wasn't any clear reason as to why. I did my usual, you know, meditate, get ready for bed, knock out, woke up in the morning. I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to feel good. Ugh. And then I feel like my heart's about to jump out of my chest. <laughs> try to do some breathing, try to, you know, all the little tools I know to get myself back to normal and nothing. And so I'm sitting there talking to God like, for real? On the day that I'm supposed to be up here and chill and helping everybody else get relaxed, I'm tripping? Okay. <laughs> and so I'm just allowing myself to decrease as God increases right now. But you know, it's also interesting. It's timely because God then brought the scripture to me, Proverbs 22 and 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he grows old, he will not depart from it. And yeah, that seems obvious when we're conceptualizing an actual physical child, but it made me realize my mind is a lot like a child. I'm not a parent, hallelujah. <laughs> Sorry, that, that made me kiss the Holy Ghost real quick. I just had it thankful, you know? <laughs> but, but I've seen parents and I've seen parents engage with their children and I've seen their children run in their room at seven o'clock in the morning saying, mommy, daddy, waking them up, energized, ready to play. And I was like, that's what my mind was doing this morning. My mind was doing what it wanted to. It was just moving. I know that I don't have control over it. I can do what I can, but ultimately it is the mind. It's going to manifest in the ways that it does. But the value of this centering prayer is it helps us to train our mind in the way that it should go. It helps us to treat it like a muscle, to, to work it, to put it in a space that might feel a little uncomfortable when we're feeling that tension arising, when we're feeling discomfort, when we're encountering stressors during the day. When we allow ourselves to really lean into the value of the centering prayer and even get to the point where we might make it a practice for us in the rest of the week, we can find that it allows us 
to not only train it, but to experience it in a way that is not so conflicting and opposing to our peace. And so that being said, I'd like to actually invite a new technique that we may want to employ. I know you guys know the last time I got up here, I talked to you guys about rhythmic breathing. And I'd like to bring up another tool today that if you would like, you may try it. If not, simply engage as we usually do, but you might find it valuable. It's something very simple called somatic learning. It tells us that when we use our body, when we use our body through movement, it helps us to take our mind to different places. In the same way that if you go for a run while you're feeling stress, it may bring your mind to a greater state of peace. In the same way, you can use your body while you're meditating, while you're in centering prayer to help bring your mind to a greater state of peace. And the way that I like to do this personally, this works for me a lot. This was actually shown in research to be very beneficial to help people with ADHD improve their ability to meditate or engage in centering prayer. And all that I personally do is when I am breathing in and out, I just move my hand with the rhythm of my breath. Or sometimes I'll do it horizontally. And I just allow myself to focus on that movement in and out, in and out. And some of you may find that this is very, very beneficial in helping you to not have your mind running wild while you're trying to calm it down. And so that being said, regardless of whatever strategy you'd like to employ, I invite you to get comfortable right now. In your own time, you may close your eyes. And I simply want to remind you that this is you time. As you begin to focus on your breath, no one else is here. This isn't time to perform. This isn't time to be busy. This is just time to be. Begin to bring your awareness to your breath. As you inhale, and exhale. Breathing happens naturally. It's not even something you have to do. Just allow it to happen. 
would like to employ this little somatic tool. As you inhale, move your hand with the rhythm of your inhale. And as you exhale, move it in the opposite direction. Just this. You don't need to wait to anticipate what I'm going to say. In this moment, I'm not even here. just you, just you and God, and the real truth is it's really just God. you're the only one here there's nothing you need to do <sighs> thank goodness finally no responsibilities sensations do appear, don't worry, just let them be, they're nothing but dancers here to entertain you, just observe them. With each inhale and exhale, your body is sinking into a state of relaxation that is deeper than the breath before it. so well. Beautiful. Sink into this rest. Sink into this peace. 
every time you breathe in, peace pierces you. And every time you exhale, stress and worry leaves your body. to feel your shoulders slump down. You're going to feel your muscles relax. And it is going to be wonderful. Feel that. Surrender to that peace. Accepted one. 
I am God's beloved child. <laughs> Who dare not accept the child of a king? I am not only accepted, I am the manifestation of pure acceptance. I am the manifestation of divine capabilities. Any space in my life where I perceive limitation That perception is breaking away right now. Because my source, my creator, is limitlessness. My God does not even understand limits. So when he made me, he made me with the power to transcend all limitations. I am free. I am powerful. I am worthy. that I have been equipped with what I truly am. I can move in this world. I can move through my day knowing that despite it all, it's all okay. God's got me, and that is reflected in the fact that in this moment I'm learning that I've got myself too. I can trust me, I can love me. Let's do this the hard way. Let us have a communal breath together.
ever so gently. Don't rush. Bring your awareness slowly back into your body. Feel it in your fingers, your arms, your legs, your cheeks, the ones on your face. can slowly open your eyes. We love you and we thank you, Heartway community. God bless you guys. Go ahead, y'all sit down, please, please. Oh my gosh. Wow. Good morning, everybody. This is really a happy Sunday. A happy Sunday. And like the psalm say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Why rejoice? Why be glad? No reason. Just because. Today's message is going to be so simple, so practical, so direct, so to the point. The scriptures speak to us of the availability that has been made for us to experience abundant life, abundant life. What does it mean to live life with an abundance of joy, an abundance of peace, an abundance of satisfaction and contentment? Well, I want to give you some guiding principles. I'm calling it rules for life. Now, you may be asking yourself, who made these rules? Me. (laughs) Now, you also may be thinking to yourself, Well, why should I listen to you? Why should I take your word for it? You shouldn't. (laughs) Test this out for yourself. If it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. But we've all heard the adage, rules are meant to be broken. That's kind of how it works with the rules I'm about to give to you. Honestly, it's like you don't learn how to value these rules until you break them. So... I know you're not used to hearing this uh, in a spiritual center on a Sunday morning, but break the rules. Go for it. Go all the way. I, I will simply encourage you to just maybe write this down on a little notepad or something or on your phone as a reminder, because if you need it, you can come back to it. Sound good? Okay, number one, manage your pleasures. Anyone who lives for pleasure lives unsatisfied because the search for it never ends. You never ultimately find what you are looking for. You just keep searching, you just keep looking. And when you operate from a mindset of seeking after something outside of yourself, when you are driven by desire, whatever becomes your pleasure becomes your master. You begin to operate from a state of internal lack as opposed to this abundance that I just mentioned to you is promised to us in the scripture. And you become a slave of that which you seek after. Because pleasure is dependent on something that is outside of you, right? So if you really like a girl or if you really like a dude and they are your pleasure, 
Now your happiness is dependent on whether you're with them or not. Or maybe you really desire money or you really desire power or you really desire sex. You end up becoming dependent on these things to the point where if you don't have that in your life, you feel like you are missing something because that's where you go to for your validation, for your sense of self-worth. And the paradox is that the more you have, the more miserable you become because the more you have, the more you want. That's literally how it works. It's never enough. And then the other side of that is the more you have, the more afraid you are of losing what you've got. And so now you're living in a state of fear, always intention, always intention. Remember that pleasures are momentary. Pleasures are very temporary. I mean, it feels good in the moment. Oh, we were chasing after that girl. I was chasing after that guy and I got him. And then the next day, they're old news. Just like that, from one day to the next. I mean, one moment, you're, you were so infatuated and your whole life revolved around catching them. And then you got them. You caught the little Pokemon. You got them in the thing now. <laughs> And, and your val their value in your eyes just becomes less and less and less. You, you, you need something else. Or you were seeking after this goal and you were reaching for this dream and you really wanted it. And then you finally got it and now you're just like, well, okay. Oh, I got the house. And now it's like, yeah, yeah well. it gets old. Why? Because desire requires novelty. Right, Pleasure always needs newness. So it's impossible for somebody who is intoxicated and addicted to pleasure to actually live in the present moment because your mind is always thinking about what's next, something better in the future. So you can never be here now. You're always looking for the next thing, looking for the next thing. And so you live in a state of restlessness. To crave is to always be restless. Mind you, this is the default operating mode that most of us live in because we live in a culture that's just pleasure, 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 pleasure. And so I always need more, I always need more, I always need more. But the more you have, the emptier you feel on the inside because you're operating from a position of lack. In my estimation, living for pleasure is settling. Don't settle for pleasure when you can have peace. Pleasure comes and goes. Peace is abiding. Pleasure comes from the outside. Peace arises from within. And because nobody can give you that peace, guess what? Nobody can take it away either. Stability. But with pleasures, oh, people can dangle your pleasures over you and manipulate you now all they want. Because you want this? You want to Come follow me. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. The less you want, the happier you will be. I know this is the opposite of everything we've been thinking for most of our lives, but the less you want, the happier you will be. Look at these words of wisdom from the book of Ecclesiastes. I said to myself, let's go for it. Experiment with pleasure. Have a good time. But there was nothing to it. Nothing but smoke. Recognize this though, you're not done with your pleasures until you're done with your pleasures. And so, you know, you're, you're trapped in that sense. You're not done with it until you're done with it. If you want something, you're gonna want something. And you have to experience the emptiness of the wanting. So all that to say, just, you know, I don't know. 
Good luck to you. I'll be praying for you. I'm pray, pray for me. Pray for me. Please pray for me. Honestly, that's how I feel like, you know, when, when uh, Jesus was taken to the wilderness and the devil tempts him and he says, all the kingdoms of the world can be yours. All you got to do is bow down to me. That's how I feel in my life. It's like, oh, everything is available to you right now. The whole world is yours, Danny. You can grab it for the taking. You just got to worship me. Sell your soul. (laughs) Preaching to myself. All right. The next one. Avoid extremes. Most of us as human beings operate with a binary mindset. I call it all or nothing thinking. So we're either on one side of the spectrum or on the complete other side of the spectrum, clinging so tightly to our beliefs and our ideologies. And when our mind operates in extremes, black or white, all or nothing, it becomes nearly impossible for us to genuinely understand and consider the validity of points of view that are outside of our own. And that's a recipe for misery because there are as many points of view as there are human beings on this planet. So if you can't handle or tolerate a different point of view, you're going to get in trouble. And sometimes we get so binary in our thinking, we, we cling so much to our extreme ideologies that they become a part of our self-identity. So for that ideology or that belief that we hold to be threatened is a threat to our very sense of self. That's why when things go crazy politically, I mean, even the closest of friends become enemies. That's why when when things are going nuts in society, I mean, at the dinner table with the people who love you the most, you're fighting like there's no tomorrow. Because these beliefs have become a part of my identity. We're either on all the way on this side or all the way on that side. The middle is where the truth is. A lot of us think that middle means compromise. A lot of us think that middle means I need to coddle both sides. I need to appease the people who are here and appease the people who are there. A lot of us think middle means weakness. I'm not talking about middle in that way, okay? You can't cling to the middle like someone clings to the right or to the left because the middle is not a fixed position. The middle is a constantly changing and shifting state. So sometimes people may think you're a leftist. Other times people may think you're a rightist. Because walking in the middle means sometimes if you're going to continually regain this balance, you've got to, it's like being a tightrope walker. You ever seen a tightrope walker? Those people who freaking, I don't know what is going on in their minds. (laughs) Like who as a human being is like, I want to do that. Yes. Crazy. But a tightrope walker, you know, they're constantly leaning a little bit to the left, leaning a little bit to the right, constantly finding that balance again and again and again and again. That's the key, the balance. A little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. Balance is where your clarity is. And what's so beautiful about walking in the middle in this way and constantly regaining balance is that you are not neglecting one side for the other. You're able to see and understand both sides And then bring them together to create something new. 
That's the third something that is wisdom. That is the third something that is truth. Also remember this, extreme beliefs lead to extreme behaviors and extreme behaviors lead to extreme consequences. So even too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. Even too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. So avoid the extremes. Walk in the middle. Number three. Oh, do we have a scripture for this? Let's look back at this one. Ecclesiastes 7.18. Keep to the middle of the road. You can do this if you truly respect God. Keep to the middle of the road. And the context of this is awesome. I love this uh, verse and the surrounding verses because the author says, hey, don't be overly righteous. Huh? He says, no, don't be like too righteous and don't be too much of a fool. Just keep to the middle of the road. You should read it. It's pretty interesting. All right, next. Put wisdom first. Huge. Look at this passage of scripture from an intertestamental book, the book of Sirach. My child, learn to value wisdom while you are young, and you will still be able to find her when you grow old. Work as hard to find wisdom as a farmer works to plow and sow his fields. Then you can expect a good harvest. You will have to work at it for a while, but you will soon be enjoying what you have earned. Undisciplined people find wisdom's demands too hard, and they don't have enough determination to meet them. Her requirements are a burden heavier than they are willing to bear, and they quickly lay them aside. My child, follow wisdom and keep to her ways with all of your heart. Go looking for her and don't let go. Then you will discover the peace of mind that she offers and she will become your joy. All throughout the Hebrew scriptures, wisdom is spoken of as being even more valuable than gold, even more valuable than riches. If you have wisdom, you have everything. The success will follow. The blessings will follow. The good things will follow. But wisdom is the principal thing, the primary thing. What is wisdom? Wisdom is patient. Wisdom is slow to move. Wisdom is quick to listen. Wisdom is empathetic. Wisdom is about observation. Wisdom is about awareness. Wisdom is humble. Wisdom is indifferent, but totally compassionate. Totally compassionate. Wisdom is unbiased. To embody this wisdom is what it means to walk with God. Jesus is actually referred to as the wisdom of God, the incarnation of God's wisdom. So we speak of Jesus a lot as the divine son of God. Awesome. Jesus is also the wisdom of God, the wise teacher who shows us the way of God. Wisdom is a way of being in the world. Wisdom is an inner disposition and it has nothing to do with knowledge. In fact, sometimes the more knowledgeable someone is, the more foolish they are because they think they know something. And they really don't know much. Wisdom is lived experience. It comes from lived experience. Knowledge comes from studying books. You know, anybody can study books and read a bunch of things and go on the internet and think you're an expert on something. 
Wisdom comes from lived experience. Knowledge is borrowed truth. Borrowed truth. So you can have knowledge that you haven't even lived into. You haven't even earned that knowledge. You, 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 you can talk the talk, but you can't walk the walk, right? It's borrowed truth. But wisdom is lived truth. It's about getting in touch with your heart. And all that's needed if you want to be wise is to study yourself. Know yourself. And give yourself entirely to that pursuit of knowing yourself. Understand your patterns, the way that you're wired. It's, it's going back into your story, rewriting certain memories, exploring those childhood traumas that have formed you into the person that you are, uh, becoming observant of your emotional reactions, your triggers, understanding what is at the root of all of those behaviors that you so commonly and consistently practice. And doing this without any judgment, without any guilt, without any shame. Just like a, like, a, like a kid with a science project. You know, scientists, they're supposed to just not get their emotions out of it. They're not judging what they're seeing. They're just observing and making notes on what they see. Just do that with yourself. Why is this important? Because if you're somebody who you mess up or I made a mistake or I sinned or I did this, that, or the other, and you feel horrible. Oh, I'm such a bad person. I'm so guilty. Oh, my God. What do they do? Mi culpa. Mi culpa. It's my fault. I'm the worst. Okay, if, you're, if you are doing that when you mess up, what do you think you're going to do when you got it right? I'm, I'm the man. I'm, look at how righteous I am. Look at how holy I am. Look at how good I am, which is why religious people end up being the most self-righteous people. They have the most guilt and the most shame when things are, you know, when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then when they are doing what they're supposed to be doing, it tends to be just like an external show. Internally, they're still a mess. But because externally everything looks right, now I'm up here and I look down at everybody else down there. Oh my God, what a mess. Just, just observe yourself without any judgment. Observe yourself without any of the guilt. You gotta learn how to love yourself there in, in those worst moments and understand that your value and your worth in the sight of God has not changed one iota even in that moment when you did the most shameful thing. Until you learn how to love yourself there, you will be incapable of loving yourself. You will be repressing an aspect of you and that area of you that has not received your love will continue to haunt you for the rest of your life. And it will dictate everything that you do and you will try and hide it and keep it in the dark. Bring it to the light of love. Bring it into the light of awareness. Wisdom is simply a matter of observing yourself. And once you understand yourself, you understand the world. Because there are no new thoughts. We're all, you know, we all inherited our mentalities from one another. What makes it unique is that in my particular world, all of the influences that I have have come together to make whatever this is, you know, Danny. But the same is for you. All of the influences that you've had in your life have now been br brought together and molded together to create Talon's perspective. And, and, it, and it's beautiful. It's a new, beautiful thing, but it contains a lot of the old. It's just, you're just, all we do is take from one another. It's called our conditioning. And we all are driven by the same desires. The mind, 
works the same way for every single one of us. So when you begin to study the way your mind works, when you begin to observe the way your mind works, oh my goodness, now you will understand everybody in the same way. So study yourself. Know yourself. To know yourself is to know God. To know God is to know yourself. Self-discovery and God-discovery are one in the same. It's the journey inward that we constantly talk about. That is how wisdom is attained. And it's wisdom that comes, again, from your own lived experience. It's not textbook knowledge. And it has nothing to do with intelligence. This is about your intuition, that divine radar, that divine intelligence deep within you that can only be accessed when you are no longer attached to your conditioned ways of thinking. Because all of us, when we go through life, we have a certain way of interpreting life. We have a certain way of analyzing the way things are. And that's where we are stuck. We think that our conditioned way of analyzing and interpreting the situations around us is reality. We think that that's truth, and we're not willing to let that go because that's all we know. So wisdom is about becoming a totally blank slate, totally blank slate. You've got to be willing to blow up everything that you think you know about God, about life, about other people, and about you, and start from zero, and go from there. Let love be your teacher. Let humility be your teacher. Let compassion be your teacher. Let balance be your teacher. And let intuition be your guide. Put wisdom first. You do that, oh my God. Everything else falls into place. Next, watch your company. This is a good one. The scriptures say bad company corrupts good character. And I want you to read this proverb. It says this, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Now, a lot of us like to think that we're not really influenced by people. We are the influencers, right? Nah, man, they don't impact me. They don't influence me in that way. You know, I'm the trendsetter. No. <laughs> no, you're not. Maybe you are, but no. I Actually, I have a friend of mine who, you know, he loves to be the trendsetter, and he is. He's an incredibly creative, unique person. Like, he doesn't go with the crowd, you know? But because of that, like, he will always uh, try to put people on. You know that phrase? Like, I'm putting you on to this new music, or I'm putting you on to this style of clothes, or I'm putting you on to this. It's like, I'm showing you cool stuff that nobody else knows about or does. And he loves to put people on and do that and be unique. But then when other people start copying him, he gets mad. So like, what's the purpose of that? What is the purpose? He wants other people to do what he does and to see how awesome his unique creativity is. And then when they start adopting his stuff, he gets mad about it. So I don't know about you, but there's been times with me where if I'm around certain people for long enough, I start adopting their mannerisms. I start laughing like they laugh. I, I, I'll start laughing with like a high pitch. I go, ha, ha. I'm like, I don't laugh like that. That's not even my laugh. I was hanging around this guy for way too long. What the heck is that? Or I start saying like my verbiage changes. I start saying things just, just off of being around people. 
It's like my guy, Phil, the way that he jokes is so unique. And now, ever since I'm around him, I started being more sarcastic. <laughs> I started doing all the, look at this, who, me? You see? Because when you're around that, you just, it, unconsciously this happens. You, we recognize that unconsciously this happens. And it's just the reality of it. When you're around people, it's like, this is why friendships are like a double-edged sword. Because when you're around people that you're totally comfortable with, that's amazing. It's such a, a wonderful freedom to be around people that you're totally comfortable with. But the people that you're totally comfortable with also can have the deepest influence in your life. So you've just got to be mindful of, of who is around you. Okay? And notice, it doesn't say that a companion of fools will become a fool, even though that's true. That could possibly happen. Again, bad company corrupts good character, and your friends determine the direction and the quality of your life. But let's just say you really aren't that influenced by the people around you, right? Let's say you've got a solid foundation. And you're not easily influenced by people around you. Even if that were the case, what it says here is that just being a companion of fools, even if you don't become foolish, can cause you to suffer harm. Why? Because being around foolish people could possibly cause you to be impacted by their foolish behavior. You can end up having to deal with the collateral damage of their foolishness. And just because you're a little close to them, now you get brought into that mess. So again, it's not even about them directly influencing you, even though, hello, that can happen. You also got to recognize just being around foolishness, you could be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And now you got to deal with these consequences because that person is an idiot. No, thank you. So we got to be careful. Now, there's a balance to this, right? It's like I remember when I like, first became a Christian, freshman year of college, I was just like, oh, my God, uh, everything has to be about Jesus. And everybody in my life who's not about Jesus, you got to get out of here. I cut off all my friends. I, I, I stopped. I downloaded all this illegal music from LimeWire. Anybody remember that back in the day? I, 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 re I repented. I deleted it. I went to the Christian bookstore and got all Christian CDs and stuff. And like, there was a time where I wouldn't even listen. I was like, if it's secular music, I can't listen to it. No way I can do that. You know, it's like I went all the way and I needed that for a time. You know, I needed that because my life was going in a different direction. And I, and I, I just wanted to just, you know, clear out all the distractions and go on this new path. But it, it, you got to have balance. You know, Jesus was a friend of sinners. And Jesus was not afraid of guilt by association like many of us are. So if you see me hanging around some sinners, don't get mad at me. All right? Because that's just what it is. But again, use wisdom. Use wisdom in who you're around and who you let in. And what's important, too, when it comes to companionship is try and discern people's motives and intentions. Obviously, it's impossible for us to really know people's motives and intentions, but their behavior will tell you a lot. Listen intently and, and, and be observant of what it is people want from you. There are some relationships where, hey, I want something from you. You want something from me. We both mutual, mutually benefit from this, and uh, we can go into a partnership knowing that we're doing this. It's when those motives are hidden that you gotta just be a little careful. What do you want? 
and why? And don't become paranoid about it. I'm just saying pay attention. Also, when it comes to your friends, listen, you can't just have yes people around you. People who just worship the ground that you walk on, doesn't matter what you do. Even when you become foolish yourself, everybody will be like, oh, you're amazing, you're the best, you're this, you're that. Sometimes, you know, people won't even say things to us even though we need to hear it because they know we wouldn't be able to receive it. So if you have a lot of people in your life that only just, yes, 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 you're the best even when you're a fool, it's time to do some internal reflection. Maybe I don't listen well. Maybe I don't take feedback well. Maybe I need to humble myself a little bit. And also, you want people around you who are going to be honest, people who love you enough to be honest. And when that honesty is coming from a place of love, again, it's like a wise person welcomes the instruction. A wise person welcomes the feedback. A fool is somebody who says, no, no, I don't want that. I don't need that. It's no good for me. So just be mindful of who you are around. Next. Number five. Ooh, my favorite. Stick with simplicity. Stick with simplicity. Simplicity is about living in the present moment. There's one Stoic philosopher by the name of uh, Seneca who said, the whole future lies in uncertainty. Live immediately. Live immediately. Now, the whole future lies in uncertainty. And it doesn't matter how much you want it to be otherwise. Your plans may be beautiful and extravagant. And tomorrow, they can all change. And if you are afraid of that, if you are not open to that, Lord have mercy. Oh, man, when it hits you, it's going to hit you hard. So you need to just welcome the uncertainty and plunge yourself, dive head first into this present moment. Simplicity is about not clinging to anything, non-attachment. I'm not clinging to the past. I'm not clinging to the future. I'm not clinging to people. I'm not clinging to money. Simplicity doesn't mean you don't possess anything. It just means you're not possessive. You understand the difference? It doesn't mean you don't possess anything. It just means you're not possessive. That's what simple living is about. You can be a rich person and be non-possessive. You can be a very poor person and be extremely possessive. So it has nothing to do with your net worth. It's a condition of the heart. To live simply is to live immediately. To learn how to value and be grateful for the ordinary, everyday, mundane aspects of your life. That's where the miracle is. That's where the joy is. That's where the peace in, is found. Paradoxically, it's the ordinary, everyday, mundane stuff that we try and run away from. We're all trying to make our life more exciting, and that's fine. You can do that, but you're missing out on a whole lot of beauty in your everyday life because your eyes are shut, because you're intoxicated by pleasure, and you're always looking for something bigger and better. There's this story about a very wise teacher who decided to leave the world, and he moved up into the mountains in a little hut, a man with very few possessions. 
Well, one day a thief came in the night. He showed up to this man's hut and he was going to take whatever he can find, but there was nothing there to take. So the thief was really not happy about it. He was just about to go. And the wise teacher stopped him before he left. He said, hey, no, I, I can't just leave you, uh, let you leave empty handed like this. Here, take my clothes. So he gave him his clothes. And the thief was so confused, like, what in the world's going on? He just took it and ran. Right after that moment, this wise teacher, no clothes on in a hut with nothing in it, was looking up at the sky. He took a deep sigh, a deep breath. And he thought to himself, what a poor man. How I wish I could give him this glorious moon. That's called being rich. Gratitude gives to you a wealth that no amount of possessions could ever give to you. And when you learn how to be grateful for the small little things, when the big things happen, you still are going to have so much to be rejoiceful over. The breath in your lungs. The trees outside are still dancing. The weather is beautiful. I have beautiful family, beautiful relationships. All of these things that we take for granted. If you learn how to practice gratitude for the regular, ordinary, simple stuff of your life, if that's where your joy comes from, you'll never run out of it. But it has to be real. It has to be genuine. And you can't expect for that to start immediately right away. This is a spiritual practice. But you begin to build up those muscles, build up those muscles. Eventually, it doesn't matter what's shaking around you. You don't get it. I'm grateful for my breath. That's everything to me. Simple living. And then last but not least, default to not knowing. Default to not knowing. In the book of Genesis, the first story in the scriptures is about a man named Adam and a woman named Eve. All right, they're famous because they messed it all up <laughs> in the story, right? What was wrong with these people, man? We, we could have had paradise. No, I'm just kidding. So Adam and Eve placed in this beautiful garden. And God says to them, you can have any fruit that you want. You can have anything that you see, except for that one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Soon as they ate the apple from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, everything messed up. Shame entered, separation entered, suffering entered into their world. Why? Because with the knowledge of good and evil, you and I now begin to make definitive statements about what particular circumstances and situations in our life mean. As if we could actually know. We say, this is good. This is bad. And without knowing it, because of the meaning that we are now attributing off of the assumption that we actually know what things mean, we begin to suffer and experience life in a miserable kind of way. Something you may be going through right now that you think is bad could turn out to be good for you. Something that you're going through right now that may seem good to you could turn out to be bad for you. Something that you consider a misfortune could 
turn out to be the best thing that could ever happen to your life. You just don't know in this moment. So when you recognize that you don't know and you stop making these definitive statements about what is good and what is bad, you welcome fortune and you welcome misfortune as temporary passerbys. And when misfortune comes, you don't get too excited because you know it'll be here for a little bit and then it'll be gone. When fortune comes your way, you don't get too excited about it because you know it's here for a little bit and you know it's going to be gone. And we don't like to think about living life not getting excited about fortunate events. That sounds kind of boring. But if you're not getting too excited when the fortunate things happen, you won't get that depressed when the unfortunate things do. And remember, you're not living in this binary, all or nothing, black or white world anymore. Your mind has shifted and changed. So if good happens, good. If bad happens, good. Because it all works together for our good. And so eventually, whatever happens, you can train yourself to say, good, good, good. Like it says in the Psalms, it was good for me that I was afflicted. Huh? It was good for me that I was afflicted. In the book of James, it says, count it all joy when the trials and tribulations come. Why? Because if good happens, it's good. If bad happens, it's good. Bad is just a meaning that I'm attributing to something when I really don't even know what it means. So it's better not to judge it while you're in it. Because you really don't know. You don't know what this circumstance is going to lead to. You don't know the effect that this is going to have. You have no idea. So welcome it all. Embrace it all. And seep yourself into the humility of not knowing. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Those are the rules. What do you think? Yeah. Not bad. All right. Good. All right. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this wisdom that comes from above. May we value and treasure this, and most importantly, apply it in our everyday lives. Managing our pleasures, avoiding extremes, putting wisdom first, watching who we surround ourselves with, sticking with simplicity, defaulting to not knowing, guiding principles for our life. Help us to walk down the middle of the road, to know ourselves more deeply and to come to know you in that process. I pray a major blessing over every single person underneath the sound of my voice. Guide them, lead them, protect them. Amen. All right. Love you guys. We'll see you Wednesday right here for our Circles of Trust. Would love to see you. And then if not, next Sunday. God bless you guys. Bye.